Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknett. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Howdy, Beast Slayers. Welcome to another episode of The Miracle Moment. I am here today with my wife, Jenny. Hello. And we are bringing, uh, or this is the start of a new recurring feature that we're going to bring to you on the podcast. So in this new feature, I'm going to be answering a question from the clinic chat, uh, either one from a, a recent chat or one from our archives. And for those of you who don't know, the clinic chat is a weekly feature uh, that's part of Migrant Neverland, which we've been doing since the inception of Migrant Neverland. And, and every week we compile the questions and answers from the chat into a transcript that we send out. And how many issues now do we have altogether, Jenny? We have 127 issues of the chatter. 127 issues. So probably close to like a thousand questions. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, So anyways, we have a large archive, which is also um, available to all of our uh, Migrant Everland members. And so Jenny, what is our question for today? All right. This question is from a very recent clinic chat that we did. And the question says, I am a competitive horseback rider and I love to show my horses at multi-day competitions. Unfortunately, horse shows have become a very reliable way to trigger a migraine for me. There are lots of contributing factors, hard to sleep, disrupted sleep schedule, schedule, stress, excitement, but I think the main one for me is exercising in the heat. I live in Oakland, California, where the weather is usually very mild, but most of the competitions I attend are in the Central Valley part of California. In the summer, it is hot, and we hear you, it's hot here in Atlanta, too. Hmm. Uh, On top of that, we are required to compete in long pants, tall leather boots, a hunt coat, and a black helmet without vents. Sadly, there's no way around this impractical outfit. I camp out in my horse trailer, so there is no cool place to retreat to. Do you guys have any thoughts on mitigating the effects of this? Last year, I used a personal-sized infrared sauna with the idea of trying to better acclimate myself to the heat, and I think that may have helped some. Would you recommend getting back to trying the sauna? I also bought a bunch of ice packs that I'm going to try strapping to my torso between classes when I can. That should last for a day or two out of the cooler, I think. I'm especially concerned this year as I'm committed to trying to go without any drugs. I'm on a keto diet now, and I hope that that will be protective as well. Thanks in advance for your thoughts. So, what are your thoughts? <laughs> so, great question. It actually brings up a lot of issues. Um, extra, the heat alone is uh, a significant trigger for a lot of people, especially su- summer uh, heat and humidity. And you add on top of that exercise or physical activity and the heat, and it becomes a double whammy. So this is one that I can relate to a lot. Uh, I've mentioned before, I think, that kind of the last thing for me to tackle was migraines that were provoked uh, when I would, you know, do any kind of intense physical activity in the summer heat. And that's been an issue for me for a very long time. So I've done a lot in terms of trying to figure out what to do in that scenario and have made a ton of progress along those lines. In fact, I have my own kind of protocol now that that works for me, um, which I'm very happy about. and so there are a few things to kind of think about when you're when you're um, faced with this kind of situation. You know, the most helpful framework that I talked about before with thinking about um, you know what provokes migraines is to think about homeostatic stressors. We talked before about how much of the evidence indicates that migraines originate in the hypothalamus, 
And that's the part of the brain that's kind of the central command center uh, for uh, coordinating homeostatic mechanisms. And so homeostasis just referring to the maintenance of stable uh, conditions inside the body. And relevant to this discussion, one of those is temperature. Um, so we all know that uh, you know you have a average core body temperature of 98.6, and just a few degrees up or down can be catastrophic for us. So it's kind of when you think about it, it's, it's a pretty remarkable that the range is so narrow, right? Uh, and yet we were able to maintain it, and that's thanks to your hypothalamus and all the different mechanisms it has uh, at its disposal for keeping you cool and under those conditions. Uh, but the greater the stressor on it, the more likely uh, we are to provoke a migraine. So what we can do and think about in these kind of situations are how can we assist it? How can we, are there things that we can do to kind of minimize the work it has to do or minimize the amount of stress? Um, and that starts with kind of thinking about things to do beforehand. Um, so probably the most important is making sure that you're well hydrated before you start. So, um, you know, your, your body water content is part of what helps you to dissipate heat. Uh, once you start, you know, once you're exposed to the heat, once you start exercising. And, um, so that involves drinking, but also making sure that whatever you're drinking includes a little bit of salt or uh, electrolytes, which will help, um, keep more, uh, volume and water in the blood. So it can divert blood to the extremities where the heat can then be uh, lost to the environment. Um, and so the more, uh, essentially, the, the greater your blood volume is at the start of that activity, uh, the better able you are to dissipate heat. Something else that has caught on recently amongst elite athletes and endurance athletes is to use, um, so take, take sodium bicarbonate or baking soda or other forms of uh, bicarbonate uh, prior to exercising. So the idea there being that bicarbonate um, helps to uh, remove lactic acid from the muscles. So lactic acid being what builds up when, you're, when you, um, your new muscles are active. So that's a way of um, improving endurance. However, you also are getting a load of sodium at the same time, which also can help to raise your intravascular volume. So um, that's something I've been experimenting lately. So um, that's an, that's another uh, possible avenue to try to kill two birds with one stone, particularly if you are uh, into endurance sports or your performance is an issue for you. But otherwise, it's mainly an issue of making sure you're well hydrated and that that includes uh, hydration. That hydration includes some electrolytes, with sodium being the one that's the most effective at maintaining water inside the the blood vessels. Um, and then when it comes to the actual activity in the heat. Probably the most important thing to think about is is doing whatever you can to stay cool mm -hmm. and lowering body temperature. And she mentioned that strapping ice packs. So what I use primarily are the cooling towels, those microfiber um, cooling towels, and we can put a link to those in the description for this podcast. Um, but essentially, those will kind of hold the they will hold the coldness, and you can either you know wipe yourself down with them or tie them around your neck, tie them around your forehead, and so forth. Um, anything that that can uh, that can help to uh, assist the body in bringing the t body temperature down, and that's a that's a great way to do it. And when you play tennis, you take a separate cooler just for those. That's right. I take a separate cooler with ice water, and I continuously dip them in there in between, uh, or when I'm changing sides. And of course, uh, maintaining the hy dehydration during. 
during the right. activity is super important. So not only am I drinking a ton, but I'm drinking a ton with either water with with um, salt dissolved in it, usually sea salt, or an electrolyte solution that I use. And we'll, we can link that in the um, in the show notes as well. And actually, she mentioned one other thing, which if you're thinking about stuff that you can do beforehand, even further beforehand, uh, one really interesting idea is to try to do things to acclimate to the heat. So what many people may not realize is that our ability to dissipate heat um, is heavily modifiable, meaning that how much we've been exposed to heat will drive how well, how good we are at cooling ourselves down. So there's a whole set of acclimations that occur once we start transitioning from a colder environment to a warm environment. So the, the cold, I mean, the um, winter to spring to summer transition. And there's a whole host of proteins called heat shock proteins that are transcribed when that occurs that, you know, so that those are downregulated when it's cold, when you don't need them. And then they're upregulated in exposure to the heat. And those do things like protect your DNA from heat damage. So there's a whole host of physiological adap- adaptations that occur in response to heat. And the more those are in place, the less stressful any heat is going to be. So what can you do to enhance those acclimations? And she mentioned, we talked about um, sauna as a way of doing that, which I think is a great idea um, or any type of heat exposure where you're incrementally increasing it over time um, to stimulate those adaptations and this brings up another issue which we talk about we've talked about before as far as resilience so one of the things that commonly happens with migraineurs is for an issue say take take heat as an example they note that heat is a trigger so they will avoid it and what happens is all of those adaptations are then downregulated even further so then you are completely unadapted to heat. And now it takes even less and less of that particular stimulus to cause a problem. So we end up by doing that sort of thing, by avoiding these things that, that, are, that are stressful, we actually make ourselves less and less resilient and more and more susceptible to them, which creates this vicious cycle that so many people get stuck into. So whether it's you know sunlight, heat, um, uh, if, you know, physical activity, all of these things. The idea shouldn't be avoid them altogether. The idea should be figure out how to build your resilience um, in a sort of an incremental way so that you are more, ultimately more resilient and become, those things become less and less of a factor. Right. And so if you don't have a sauna, what can you do? You want to tell them about what yes, we do? So, um, so like I said, this has always been an issue for me. So I've been trying to pay attention more and more to this, to building those adaptations myself. And so one easy thing to do is just simply go out in the heat of the day. So uh, since the since the weather turned warmer, Jenny and I have been doing that every day, um, going out for uh, initially maybe five to ten minutes in the heat of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if with as much uh, as much of our skin exposed mm-hmm. um, as our neighborhood association uh, rules will allow, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and we've been gradually increasing that over time. So not only building those or stimulating those adaptations to the heat, but also getting a nice dose of vitamin D, right. um, which is especially relevant right now in the midst of COVID, where there's lots of evidence that there's a very strong connection between the severity of the illness and people's vitamin D levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so super important right now to be getting vitamin D whenever you can. Don't be avoiding the sun. Um, Right. And, uh, and you know, supplements are, can work if it's not an option, but we do know that sunlight, from, I mean, that D from sunlight uh, is preferred for sure. Um, so anyways, so those, that, so just simply going outside in the heat uh, to build those adaptations and get the sunlight 
kill two birds with one stone. She also mentioned, you know, she's on a keto diet and possibly could that be protective as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about the, um, the model that you have in your original book, The Migraine Miracle, in terms of your threshold? Right. So another huge advantage of an ancestral diet, the basic migraine miracle plan, or the keto for migraine plan, which is essentially an ancestral diet modified to be uh, ketogenic, is that it you know raises your threshold. So the things that may have once brought about a migraine before you were doing this no longer do so. And that was one of the things that early, early on I noticed after making this transition mm-hmm. was all these things that used to be an issue for me um, stopped being so. So hopefully anyone listening is doing those things, and that is certainly another huge way to uh, build your resilience against mm-hmm. the beast. And there's one other thing to mention here about uh, physical activity, especially intense exertion, and uh, you know the the heat just adds a whole another layer of intensity to any type of physical activity, and that is that it's it's very clear that one of the consequences of of that type of that level of activity, and here we're talking about activities where you're going to be in the anaerobic zone for for part of it, so high intensity stuff where you're doing things like sprinting and so forth. Um, that we do see there's disruption in gut permeability that occurs mm-hmm. afterwards. So um, it definitely takes a toll on the gut. And I've talked a lot in the past about the tight connection between gut health, especially gut permeability and migraines. I think that's a huge, huge factor. That's a huge factor in in driving migraines in people who are getting a lot of them. And it's a huge factor in, in why people improve. So it's you know connected to how permeable the gut is, how, how healthy it is. So you have this transient period after any intense physical exercise where there is heightened permeability. And that is going to confer a period of heightened uh, sensitivity to any potential trigger. So I have to remember this myself. So I have to be mindful of the fact that my gut is in kind of a precarious state Mm. for the next several hours. And that means what that means is that things that wouldn't normally get in that you're eating will get into the bloodstream and potentially get into the brain because we know there's a connection between gut permeability and blood-brain barrier permeability. So you kind of assume that there are things that can get all the way to the brain, which then can then provoke the beast. So I say that to say that it's not unreasonable if you deal with this issue significantly to fast until the next day. Mm, Okay. This is another scenario where you can really use fasting to your advantage. So the best way to, the best defense against that is just not to put anything into the gut until it's better. And, you know, that period of permeability is likely several hours. Um, but so there's this double, there's this probably two periods where things, where you're most vulnerable. One is during the actual activity itself, mm-hmm. where the, the stress of the heat and um, the exertion are significant or potential triggers just because of their, the, the homeostatic stress. And then there's the second wave of gut permeability um, that raises the, the, the second point of, of uh, susceptibility. Um, so both of those are worth keeping in mind. So if somebody exerts themselves strenuously during this exercise, it's not the time to reward themselves with a treat. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> right, right. The worst possible time to have a you know piece of cake. Right. So side note on this as well, you said, you know, we've talked a lot about gut permeability and gut health, and Mm -hmm. um, we have a number of chatter issues that relate to that topic, um, just in case you're interested, because it is such an important part of the plan. It has been a recurring topic. Uh, 
we've had uh, since the inception of, of our clinic chats and probably will continue to be. It's certainly, it's also an area where the science is continuing to evolve, right? We've only recently, you know, the uh, whole idea of leaky gut, you know, mm-hmm. which which first was kind of a fringe thing and now it's very mainstream. People recognize that it is definitely a thing. Um, you know, that's that's re- that's a clear issue uh, as well as, you know, the whole gut mi- microbiome and so forth and, you know, how to promote a healthy one and what that even looks like. Those are still areas where they're still brand new scientifically. So there's going to be a lot of change. And, and so we're constantly having those kinds of discussions mm-hmm. to update our members on, you know, kind of what the latest uh, in, in that in the science is saying. So maybe in a future episode, we can pull one of those questions to feature as well. Sure. And then just in case folks are interested in the other questions that came up during this um, clinic chat discussion and that are also a part of this um, chatter issue uh, with the heat question, the other questions during that discussion included, um, what about sleep issues when you're uh, transitioning to lower carb and, Mm -hmm. you know, how to handle that and how long that might last, Um, whether there's a connection between impacted wisdom teeth and migraines. Uh, Also, what dosage of vitamin D supplement uh, Dr. T would recommend for the not so sunny part of the year when we can't get outside Mm -hmm. as much. Um, And then also someone says, you know, I've reduced my carbs, but I'm still having a pattern of headaches. Could it be due to rebound? So those were some of the other issues that we addressed during that particular um, discussion, just in case anybody's interested. And those are in our archives for our Migrant Everland members. Um, So those are always accessible. Also, if you uh, go to the website, migramigramiracle.com, and click on the resources tab, you'll find that it lists all the different resources, including the chatter. And there's a link there that you can go to to see the, the list, the menu of all the questions that have been answered. Right, in, and in we'll continue ones. to update that. Yeah, and, and we'll, we can, we'll also uh, link that in the show notes for this episode. Okay, that concludes this first edition of this new uh, recurring feature. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you enjoy this podcast, it would be great if you left a rating and review in iTunes. It really helps. And remember to subscribe to it if you haven't already. So that is all for this episode. Now it's time to go out and slay the beast. Slay the beast.